0: Welcome to the Teach Me Lit podcast. I'm Sophie Tuvey, and I love talking about books and helping you to revise for English literature and go deeper in the texts you're studying. So today we are talking about Dr. Faustus and we're going to be talking about the character of Mephistopheles. Now, the one key word that comes to mind when I think about Mephistopheles is paradox. Um, That may be because it's one of my favourite words, um, and I do tend to use it a lot, Um, but I think it embodies uh, the complications and the subtleties of his character. So I'm going to unpack a couple of those complexities and paradoxes um, about Mephistopheles for you today to help you go deeper in your understanding and analysis. OK, so first of all, there's the first paradox is, is Mephistopheles a physical or a spiritual character? So when Faustus first conjures him up, he obviously follows the instructions that he's been given by Valdes and Cornelius. He goes through the spell book and, you know, draws a circle. It's all very dramatic. Um, and then finally, Mephistopheles appears. And initially, the form that Mephistopheles takes is so terrifying to Faustus that he says, you know, I want you basically to go away and come back um, in an in a, in easier uh, form. So he says, um, I charge thee to return and change thy shape. Thou art too ugly to attend on me. Go and return an old Franciscan friar. That holy shape becomes a devil best. Now, there's obviously a lot of Renaissance comedy in this. You've got this spiritual being, this demon, who's actually, you know, a fallen angel, um, turning up, conjured by Faustus. This is exactly what Faustus was intending to do. But Faustus actually can't handle the real appearance of the demon. Um, and so he says, go and become a Franciscan friar. Now, obviously, the friars were part of the Catholic Church, which in, in this kind of era uh, was the subject of a lot of um, ridicule on stage. Um, and so, of course, the audience would have found that Highly ironic and funny that, you know, a demon would be dressed up as a friar. Um, It was a kind of typical Catholic bashing joke that would have been made. Um, But there's also that kind of odd element here of, of the demon, Mephistopheles, taking a human shape. And that kind of double irony of on the Elizabethan stage, you have human actors playing this spiritual character who's not human. So I love the way that you know Marlowe uh, a little bit like Shakespeare does as well plays with the idea of you know the the actor on the stage representing something and then kind of going back to being a human on the stage. So this Franciscan friar that you're seeing as the play unfolds, and for the majority of the play that's what Mephistopheles is going to look like, um, is a lot easier for the actor to dress up as a friar than it is to dress up as a devil, presumably. Um, but the audience then become deceived, just like Faustus does, into the um, the supposed humanity of this demon. So. Because the devil is taking this physical form, Mephistopheles is taking this physical form and very much acting like um, a human. He's acting like a servant, almost like Wagner. It means that we, like Faustus, become deceived into thinking of him as a physical being, as a human, when actually he isn't. And his very essence is, is other, is spiritual, and a reminder of where he came from, which is hell. Now, this kind of leads me into my second paradox about Mephistopheles. Is Mephistopheles free or is he a slave? So, when Faustus conjures him up, um, he basically says, you know, now, Faustus, what wouldst thou have me do? And Faustus says, I charge thee, wait upon me whilst I live to do whatever Faustus shall command. So, he kind of wants Mephistopheles to be his slave. And Mephistopheles answers, well... I am servant to great Lucifer and may not follow thee without his leave. No more than he commands must we perform. So, in that case, you're like, okay, Mephistopheles is already a slave. He's already a slave to Lucifer. He has to do what Lucifer tells him to do. And then Faustus says, Did not he charge thee to appear to me? And Mephistopheles answers, No, I came hither of my own accord. So already we've got this paradox that he's apparently a slave to Lucifer, but he's also got some degree of autonomy because he made a decision to come to Faustus. Now, this is also a double irony again, because Faustus believes he has conjured Mephistopheles by, you know, going through the incantation and the spell that we've watched him do this whole rigmarole on the stage to perform. So it's kind of funny that actually... It wasn't really anything to do with the spell that Mephistopheles arrived. He says, um, Faustus says, Did not my conjuring speeches raise thee? Speak. And Mephistopheles replies, That was the cause, but yet per accidents. For when we hear one rack the name of God, abjure the scriptures and his saviour Christ, we fly in hope to get his glorious soul. In other words, Mephistopheles says it's because Faustus was turning away from God that he came rather than because he was actually summoned by a spell that worked. So is Mephistopheles a slave or is he free? He certainly seems to have some power to make his own choices about what he does in the play although at other times he um, more clearly appears to be under Lucifer's rule and this kind of ties in with my third paradox about him which is is he honest or is he a liar now a lot of people comment on how surprising Mephistopheles honesty is to um, Faustus Faustus asks him a lot of candid questions and Mephistopheles appears to give quite candid answers when Faustus questions him about hell, he says, "Hell hath no limits nor is circumscribed in one self place, but where we are is hell, and where hell is, there must we ever be." He appears to answer Faustus with the tough truth that Faustus doesn't want to hear, and even despite being told this truth, Faustus still says, "I think hell's a fable." So he doesn't actually listen to what Mephistopheles tells him anyway. But it's interesting that Mephistopheles, um, as a demon, would be expected to be a liar. And actually, he gives Faustus a pretty clear answer. And it's the answer that a Renaissance audience would know. You know, everybody would have grown up knowing about what hell was and that hell was real. And so, for Faustus to ask Mephistopheles this question, you know, he's getting the answer that everybody would have known since they were a child anyway. But what's interesting is that you kind of wonder if this is a sort of reverse psychology for Faustus. By giving him the candid answer, Faust, um, Mephistopheles is actually fully aware that Faustus isn't going to accept it. That Faustus is going to go, oh, well, I think hell's a fable anyway. Is his apparent candour part of his deception? That is a key thing to kind of grapple with. Now my fourth paradox for Mephistopheles is, is he reactive or proactive? So initially we see Mephistopheles being summoned supposedly by Faustus, then we find out, oh he came there of his own accord anyway, he was proactive. We see situations occurring where we think he's reacting to um, what Faustus has asked him to do, but then We've also see occasions where he's proactively suggesting things for Faustus to do. Now, an example of this is with the visit to the Pope. Um, Mephistopheles is the one to say, you know, cross the Pope, and dash the pride of this solemnity. Um, let's let's basically take this opportunity to make fun of him and play pranks on him, and that's Mephistopheles' suggestion. So, is he reactive? or is he proactive? Increasingly, as we get into Act 5, Mephistopheles starts to show his teeth a bit. When Faustus looks on the verge of repenting, Mephistopheles turns on him and says, Thou traitor, Faustus, I arrest thy soul for disobedience to my sovereign lord, revolt, or I'll in piecemeal tear thy flesh, making this direct threat to him. And then a little later in Act five, um, Faustus accuses Mephistopheles of being a bewitching fiend. He says, "Twas thy temptation hath robbed me of eternal happiness. And Mephistopheles sort of shrugs his shoulders and replies, I do confess it, Faustus, and rejoice. 'Twas I that, when thou wert in the way to heaven, damned up thy passage, when thou tookst the book to view the scriptures, then I turned the leaves and led thine eye. And that refers way back to Act 1, where Faustus was originally considering divinity, uh, turned the pages of the Bible and read sort of half a Bible verse. He read that the wages of sin is death um, and sort of felt like, well, okay, there's no point in even trying then. He didn't read on to the next part of the verse, which talked about the gift of God being eternal life. So in a sense, Faustus... um, only read half of the verse, got half the story and then slams the Bible shut and dismisses it. Mephistopheles is saying, that was me by the way, I was the one who uh, deceived you. And so actually it, it appears that Mephistopheles is very proactive throughout the play rather than simply reactive to what Faustus is asking him to do. And that leads me to the final paradox which is this, is he a friend or an enemy. Now, Faustus seems to be increasingly duped as the play goes on to look upon Mephistopheles as a friend. Basically, Mephistopheles is his only companion. He has the servant, Wagner, but in terms of someone who's with him all the time, that's Mephistopheles, isn't it? The way that Mephistopheles speaks to him and calls him, my Faustus, actually seems to reinforce this illusion of friendship. But as a Renaissance audience would know, devils don't do friendship. Um, Devils are there to deceive humanity um, and to lead them to hell. And so it's really the the twist in the play when Mephistopheles reinforces those traditional viewpoints right at the end um, and basically threatens Faustus, delights in Faustus' downfall. Um, It's as if, you know, Faustus is fully made aware that, that this has all been an illusion. Mephistopheles, um, talking to Lucifer, makes the comment that his store of pleasures must be sourced with pain as a kind of, the sort of thing an enemy would say, rejoicing when somebody makes a fatal mistake. And of course, at the end, when the devils come for Faustus, Faustus's last words are, are Mephistopheles, m- implying that Mephistopheles is one of those devils that comes to drag him to hell itself. So ultimately, whilst it may appear that Mephistopheles is pretty uh, innocent throughout the play, that Faustus makes his own choices to damn himself, he's definitely no friend to Faustus. And at the end, it's as if he reveals his full, true identity as Faustus' mortal enemy. Faustus' problem is that his pride and ambition have blinded him to the truth, which is so obvious to the audience. But even the audience, I think we get drawn into. We start to get taken away by the the playfulness of, you know, messing around in, in the Pope scenes, the pageantry of the Seven Deadly Sins. We start to get entertained by Mephistopheles just as Faustus is and we forget what he's really like. But the paradox of Mephistopheles, I think, still lingers at the end of the play. Even if you take a very traditional reading of the play, that, you know, Christianity was was all right anyway. Um, even, if, even with that, I think some of Mephistopheles' lines, the poetry of his words and his language, his lament about, you know, thinks thou that I who saw the face of God am not tormented in ten thousand hells you know every second he's away from it I think those lines are so poignant and rich there is a richness to his character that I think is what makes the play so compelling if you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful please hit subscribe and share it with a friend you can find me on instagram and twitter just search for teach me lit I'm always open to requests so if you want me to talk about a text you're studying get in touch Thank you for listening. See you next time on the Teach Me Lit podcast.